This is Impact, a daily look at how we are coping with the coronavirus in Nevada. I'm Carrie Kaufman. There may be a time in the not-so-distant future when we see this time as the waiting, as the calm before the, I don't know, sinkhole pulls us under. You know, that time in movies where the music stays on one note and you know it's going to get worse fast. The news today is about layoffs and financial hardship and a federal government who thinks its work is done. Thank you very much. Already Las Vegas is a changed place. It's not just the Strip. Restaurants and other eateries close early or have limited menus. I mean, a few weeks ago, I couldn't get an ice cream cone at McDonald's. McDonald's. Our 24-hour town is sleeping. How bad will it get? Well, we'll explore that in a moment. But first... We're going to look at the news. We're going to look at the numbers from the Washington Post. We are up to 3.6 million cases worldwide and 356 deaths, uh, 256,000 deaths. In the U.S., we have 70,500 or so deaths, and we are up. We are up. We keep going up to 1.2 million cases. Uh, New York is evened out, so the the numbers don't seem to go be going up that fast, but they are going up steadily. In Nevada, our numbers are 5,594 cases and uh, 258 deaths as of about 4 o'clock this afternoon when I check these numbers. For contest text, New York numbers really are uh, steady. They are at 321,000 cases and almost 25,000 deaths. That's pretty much where we were yesterday. Rebecca, I'm going to do a, a little uh, theme for this section here. I read the news today, oh boy. Oh boy. Rebecca Colbert joins us on Tuesdays to uh, co-host this show. Rebecca is one of the uh, moderators of CCSD Parents, and she also is the person responsible for ordering all of the books that we read in our Clark County libraries. And we're going to talk about that. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Sure. Glad to be here. Happy not to be watching the news, but instead talking on it right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you know, I read the news today and went, oh boy. And that's what I was like, oh, okay, must, must include John Lennon tonight. So, um, it looks like the MGM, this is what made me say that, the MGM is about to make all the furloughs that they announced uh, a few weeks ago permanent. Uh, the RJ reports today that 63,000 MGM employees who were hoping to get their jobs back may in fact be laid off after August 31st. That 63,000 employees in one resort, in one place. That that brought this home to me more than anything we have talked about. I mean, we've talked about people dying and we had to get figure that out and we we this then we had to shelter in place and what our our world is turning upside down. 63,000 employees in one resort may lose their jobs. That's the size of a small town. Yes. It's actually it's the size of a not so small town. Right. Um, and I, I had to Google after I read that figure, and there's almost 250,000 employees on the Strip mm. um, affected by gaming that will be out of work. And the degree to which those are furloughs or unemployment, who knows, because right. it depends on when and how we reopen. 
but that's that's absorbing a small city. That's it. That's the size of the city people. that I grew up in here in Las Vegas. 250,000. Exactly. That's what I tell people. Back in the day, Vegas was, you know, itty bitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to absorb that from one resort. And the thing is, they're the canary in the coal mine. They're just the first one to make this declaration, but right. they will not be the only one. Right. Okay. So we'll keep reporting on that and we we want to talk to I want to talk to people who uh who work for the MGM or who work for other resorts also uh and get uh, more more personal stories about what's going on uh the RJ also reports today that the city of Las Vegas is looking to lay off 200 employees they are bracing for a 150 million dollars shortfall Rebecca I, I don't I wanted to make a Mayor Goodman joke but there I, there wasn't one I could come up with here <laughs> There's nothing good about laying people off. Right. And um, I think and she it, knows that and, and didn't want that. I'm sure that it has to do with parks and rec that are closed. Mm. Um, all those facilities that can't be functional right now. Uh, Convention and Visitors Authority. There's right. nothing to promote because we're not open. Right. Uh, so it's not that they don't have, I mean, they don't have work, but there's no job to be done right now. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like we we lost we lost our jobs. It would like when we we say that we lost our jobs usually means we got fired or we got laid off. But that but the job is is still there. But we lost. We're losing our jobs. They're not there they anymore. They disappeared. They disappeared. Yeah, that's interesting. So you are uh, part of the library system. Uh, there have been some public board meetings where they've talked about cuts. Talk to me what's going on there. Uh, you know, the library did this back in 2009 after the, the crash and the recession then. So we're veterans at having to shrink our budget and mm. shrink our staff. But that means that we all have a degree of post-traumatic stress. We don't want to do that again. Right. So, and we have not recovered, much like every other entity in town, the library district budget never got better after mm. those cuts. Um, so we were able, thanks to our brilliant financial uh, director, to avoid layoffs and furloughs at this time by trimming $5 million off the top of this fiscal year. Now, this fiscal year is almost over. There's right. only two months left. Right. And we just said, if we haven't spent it, we're saving it. We had to give up a massive construction uh, and redesign plan. And they are reopening talks with our union to see if they can uh, freeze salaries and hiring for the indefinite future. Mm. Um, but we'll do anything to avoid getting furloughed and laid off. Right. right. <laughs> Absolutely anything. Right now they're talking about when and how to reopen and taking workers who normally functioned in our programming and venue services, um, meeting rooms, concert spaces, right. auditoriums, all those are closed through February of next year. So they're trying to take that staff and find new work for them in our new environment. And we think with line management and social distancing management, uh, we'll be able to rethink how those folks do their jobs, at least for the next six so, months, and hopefully not furlough. So no book fair. <laughs> No, book for no Vegas Valley book fair. May the fourth be with you. Free comic book day killed us because the uh, library is always a part of that. Um, no, no library fun times. Go to the webpage and download digital material. That's all we got for you right now. Okay, uh, I'm glad you're still there. Uh, the libraries are really important. Uh, they're important to me, so and they're important to my kids and lots of other people too. Uh, so um, let's play this here. Where's the beef? 
Some hamburger places give you a lot less beef on a lot of bun. Where's the beef? At Wendy's, we serve a hamburger we modestly call a single. And Wendy's single has more beef than the Whopper or Big Mac. At Wendy's, you get more beef and less bun. Hey, where's the beef? So that was a very, very famous commercial from the 1980s with Clara Peller, the little old lady who uh, did this uh, commercial. She became a total sensation and I remember that this was this was before social media. Everybody was talking about this. Uh, Clara Peller, everybody on any sort of media was saying, hey, where's the beef? Um, now the New York Times is reporting that due to COVID-19 outbreaks at meat pro- processing plants, they are no longer serving hamburgers, at least until this crisis is over. So where's the beef? Well, it's not just the beef. You couldn't find ice cream. I've been denied pancakes. Oh, my God. How could you? It makes it real to us. It makes it real to everybody when you go to a fast food burger joint and cannot obtain a burger. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A a fast food burger joint that sort of made its name on having more beef than anybody else (laughs) is now not having any beef anymore. Um, Well, and. And it's just like all these small businesses that say, you know what? It's not worth it to be open. How can you not be open if you're Wendy's? Oh, I know. When you run out of beef. Yeah, that is true. And it's it's really interesting to me because this is, is a 24-hour town. And I went to school on the East Coast and would drive around and go, why, why are things closed? It's only 9 o'clock at night. What's going on here? And now, you know, I leave here around 8. And I, it's hard for me to pick up something on the way home. Everything so, is closed. Yeah, everything closes at 8. We're shrinking. We're turning back into that small town that we were once upon a time. We were. <laughs> um, I, I don't particularly like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that part. I mean, I, you know, I like right. the ease, but I do, I do like the sort of, you know, spending time with family and all that silver lining stuff we have talked about before. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, the... Federal government has said we don't need a coronavirus task force anymore in a few weeks. That's just going to be disbanded. We're good. They must know something that we don't know. They must. (laughs) Because I need a task force more than ever. If if you look (laughs) at the numbers and you take New York out of it, coronavirus cases are up in every other state. Yes. Yes. And Uh, there was a a governor's, governors of a bunch of Midwestern states, Republican governors, wrote something I don't know if it was in the Times or the Post or it was in L.A. And um, and they said, hey, look, this we had a plan and our plan was a good plan and we've gotten through it. And I'm, I'm reading this thinking we're not through it yet. No, we don't know. No. Yes. What it is, is they haven't actually gotten hit yet. Right. Um, and I think that's because big cities shut down and big states with large populations shut down. And when we reopen and that travel starts to happen across state lines, oh, those poor states in the middle of the country will understand what we've been going through. Yeah, I think they will. Um, okay, so. Hey, no, Mommy said I could use them. It's mine. You're rude. <laughs> You're rude. This is the part of the show where we talk about how we're getting along. Uh, are we able to, are we wanting to kill our family yet? Like, uh, like the Robertsons acted out for us. Um, and and what's, what are we discovering that we didn't have time for before? Since you are a librarian, and I love books, so we're going to talk about books today, Rebecca. What books do you have on tap for us? 
oh, I have read, we've all read in this household um, dozens of books since the shutdown. I get advanced copies that aren't available yet. And Mm -hmm. one of the best books I read at the beginning of the shutdown was something called Survivor Song by Paul Tremblay. Uh, But it takes nerves of steel because it's actually about a very fast spreading, debilitating zombie virus. Oh, great. Um, which makes it say, yeah, I know it was, I'm so glad I read it at the beginning um, and not now <laughs> because I passed it on to a librarian friend who read it about a month after I did. And he texted me and said, what were you thinking? Why did you give me this book? <laughs> um, my 10 year old daughter is a much better reader. Uh, she'll read anything. And she exhausted her supply of books lately. And I made the mistake of bringing home book one of a series, uh, the land, Land of Stories mm. by Chris Colfer. And we couldn't find number two through six. And of course, even though I work for the library, the library is closed. And I couldn't get it from... Like, you don't have a you key. Know, you can't just sneak in big, there. You know, there's cameras and there's security. Um, <laughs> and I won't. If, if you can't have books, neither can I. Okay. And so I actually put the word out on social media and said, hey, does anybody have this book? Because we're really desperate. And by the end of the afternoon, I had someone who said, you know what? We've got it. You want it? Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. That's really cool. Um, I, You know, you were talking about the book about the zombie contagion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the books that I have, I've started to read a few times, can't get through because it terrifies me so much, but really, really, really want to read is uh, Jose Saramago's Blindness. Oh, I've read about it, but I've not actually read it. Right. It starts out, I can only tell you how it starts out, with um, with a contagion of blindness. People just go go blind for no reason. And it's a metaphor for, you know, political stuff. But, man, that's scary. Uh, um, it, more scary because the, 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 the characters don't have names. They're just you and me. Try it now because the dystopian fiction that was very popular pre- virus is not so popular now. I find just the opposite. I can read it and stomach it because the news is scarier than any fiction. Uh, Yeah, I guess it is. Okay, so that (laughs) that, that gives us a, a, a transition here. Let's go to the news. Last night, CCSD Superintendent Jesus Jara declined to give an answer about how much of a budget cut his district might be facing. And honestly, nobody really knows right now. Governor Sisolak asked his various agency heads to give him budget scenarios. The Nevada Independent's Daniel Rothberg wrote a piece last week in which officials and consultants estimated the shortfall to be between 4 and 14 percent. So I looked today and CCSD has a $5.4 billion budget. That's including federal and local, uh, not just state funding. Uh, And 14% would be over $700,000 for a year. And we were going crazy because we had to cut $17,000 last year and wanted to cut the deans. We're talking to Daniel Rothberg today about what he learned in writing this piece uh, welcome, Daniel. Hi, thank you for having me on. So, uh, we're all screwed. That's basically the theme of your piece. We are all screwed. Um, <laughs> well, not quite. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, I would say there's a little nuance to it, depending on what the federal government does uh, and right. how the CARES Act is implemented and what kind of m- money Nevada receives from that and where it goes. But... 
it is not um it is not good and and everybody agrees you know i mean you were just reading the the news i mean from from layoffs to revenue shortfalls this is going to be a really really difficult time for local government for every level of government and um i i think the big takeaway from the story and you know this isn't necessarily unique to las vegas or nevada or any local government entity in this state um it's happening across the country although there are things that are unique about nevada right um but you know the the real difficulty for a lot of these entities is that they're going to to have to be faced with potential cuts at the same time that they're spending more money in some cases to respond to the coronavirus pandemic Mm -hmm. and they need these social people need these social services um the county is required to provide many of them um you know to um to respond to the coronavirus so it's sort of this double double whammy it's not just uh nurses and doctors who we've talked about before uh, it's also that we we have a horrible mental health system, even before this started. And now people are kind of going crazy, right? People need mental health uh, bef- more than they ever have. Um, how are we going to deliver that and how are we going to pay for that? I mean, you know, I, it's mental health. It's all it's all sorts of um, it's all sorts of issues. I think right now, you know, my, my story focused on the state government budget and the Clark County budget, right. which are probably two of the larger budgets in the state. I actually, I didn't include CCSD, but that's up there as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think that right now um, there's sort of stopgap measures, there's savings or the rainy day fund on the state level. Right. Um, there are uh, fund ending balances and reserves that, um, these budget managers can tap into, but as this goes on, depending on how it goes on, whether there's another sort of outbreak and dip, right, or um, you know, looking into the future, they're really going to have to make some tough decisions in sort of the next fiscal year and then the fiscal year after that, especially if they start tapping into reserves because those are one-time transfers. Those right. fill kind of the hole for now and be a band-aid but they're not a long-term fix. So we're looking at a shortfall of about $800,000 just from March until June 30th, which is the end of Nevada's fiscal year. Um, How much are we looking at next year? Well, the projection that I got, which came from Applied Analysis, which is a a lot of clients across the state. Jeremy um, Aguero, yeah. Jeremy Aguero, yeah. uh, He estimates that the state could see about a one to two billion dollar shortfall in the next fiscal year mm-hmm. of the biennium and uh that he he said would be the largest budget deficit in the state's history um you know a couple of things about those numbers um i think first um a lot of state you know i actually read a story today um in bloomberg and i didn't i didn't realize this but um as many as 34 states they reported could could see budget losses of over 10 percent. so nevada is is not alone in this right. uh you know a lot a lot of other states are going to see this kind of 
shortfall, but, um, but in you know, Nevada, the structure, the, yeah, in Nevada, one to two billion is twenty-five to fifty percent, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that my numbers no, were right. You're, yeah, yeah, you're right. It but, it is confusing because you know, it's a biennium, yeah. but yeah. Right. No, your your numbers are correct. It's about four point five. Uh, so it'd, it'd be about one to two billion out of a four point five billion one year. Okay. Okay. So a little less than 25 to a little less than 50%. Um, in the yeah. best case scenario, uh, we open up in late summer, the virus doesn't come back. Uh, what, when, how do you see, how, how was it, was, was Jeremy's numbers working on, on that? So um, I, get, I can't speak to Jeremy's numbers on that question necessarily, but Clark County's, um, Clark County, which presented all this in a, in a very interesting county commission meeting, which mm-hmm. I actually think is worth watching in and of itself. The commissioners asked really smart and interesting questions. Um, but the, um, the Clark counties, what they're, they're looking at, I think it's about a $315 million hole. Um, they are, that is based on an uninterrupted recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if so, if the virus does come back, it could be, you know, significantly worse. Um, but factoring an uninterrupted recovery, the projections show that room tax is going to be significantly. I mean, uh, you know, I need to double check the spreadsheet that they they um, presented, right. but I believe it will be lower than it. It's projected to be lower than it was even during the recession. So that's going to be a significant hit in revenue. Um, so, so room tax yeah. goes to county. Uh, room tax also goes to uh, education, Rebecca, as we know, it is the second largest uh, tax that uh, state tax that uh, that or tax that feeds education, the largest tax is actually a sales tax, a state sales tax, um, and that we're not selling anything. We're not open to sell anything. Uh, so um, that's that's even going to be a bigger hit on our education budget, Rebecca. Well, and it's a budget that once again did not recover from cuts. It mm-hmm. it makes cuts every year. It never grows. It just shrinks. Right. And this is more than shrinking. This is cutting off a limb. And I don't know what else we can eliminate, particularly when we need more money to keep classrooms safe with social distancing. Right. And to keep and to deal with the mental health of of the children and teachers uh, who are coming back. And teachers are are really having problems. Um, I want to bring you back in here. Uh, We talked to Commissioner Mike Naft uh, last week, uh, and he kind of reminded us of another issue that that is taking a hit here. And operate McCarran Airport, which is seeing unprecedented losses. That building, which normally would see about 128,000 passengers a day, is seeing less than a thousand people through those doors a day. Wow. Right. That's. A, I don't even want to figure out the fraction of that. Um, but yeah, 108,000 people come through that door, the airport every day. Planes, I, one of the things I love to do in Vegas is just watch planes pop out of the sky as they're landing in McCarran. It's really fun. 
And um, now we have a thousand people coming through. Uh, what are we going to do with the airport? Have you have you been looking at that at all, uh, Daniel? So I I didn't focus on that in my story, and I I didn't. Um, I was more focused on the county's general fund, but mm. they did present at least one number. Um, they did a sort of rough estimate from March 2020 to June 30th, 2021. So it encompasses the end of this fiscal year and next fiscal year to look at the impact across sort of county programs. And um, the Department of Aviation is expected in that time to have a revenue loss of about, of about $334 million. So it's a significant, significant amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, we, and I don't really see from everything I've read, people are not going to be coming back pretty, uh, very soon. We're not going to be flying, uh, and I'm going to talk to an aviation expert about that. Uh, and we're not going to be wanting to come to, to big resorts where we have lots of contact with people. Uh, Rebecca, let's talk about, uh, essential employees as government employees, um, our nurses and doctors are actually pretty burnt out because while we flatten the curve, we've given them more work to do, right? Because <laughs> we've sort of like, you know, spread it out for them. Uh, how do we furlough EMTs and, and, and nurses in this health crisis? Well, I noticed that the largest um, percentage of the state budget is actually health and human services. Yeah. So when you talk about cutting 14% across the board, take these medical employees and healthcare professionals and slash it by 14% at a time when they need more people, more personal protective equipment, uh, more facilities spaced out, more beds. Right. And then say, as we always do in Nevada, do more with less. Um, it, I've actually heard stories about how uh, some healthcare systems are laying off and furloughing uh, higher paid doctors and then hiring in temps or recent medical school grads wow. to to staff um, bodies. It's it's kind of what happens in higher education, and right. I've never seen it happen in healthcare. Wow. Okay, we're going to follow that up. Daniel, um, you generally cover water issues and not financial issues. Um, I was really, really pleased to see your series last year on the Yarrington uh, Mines. Uh, the, it is, a, is it now a Superfund site? Um, it's complicated. It was uh, <laughs> deferred. Right. It depends. Yeah, it was deferred from the Superfund list, so it doesn't have the Superfund designation. The the state says that they are um, cleaning it to CERCLA standards, which is the Superfund mm -hmm. kind of enacting law. Um, but um, my, my series sort of explored some of the issues and dynamics at play at right. that site um, under this sort of new designation, deferral designation. So um, uh, we could talk about that for an hour. So I'm just going to move on here, though. But okay. you cover the environment, you cover water. Uh, what are you seeing uh, in terms of that that is coming out of this coronavirus crisis? Um, well, I mean, probably the biggest piece of news is that the Southern Nevada Water Authority announced that they wouldn't appeal um, it's not related to coronavirus at all, but it, it is the biggest probably piece of water news in the last month or so. Uh, the Southern Nevada Water Authority, um, after getting an unfavorable uh, district court opinion on its water rights for the Las Vegas pipeline project, uh. Uh, announced that they would not appeal, which effectively ends their 
sort of um, legal effort to obtain water, they've really been pushing to um, develop since since the late 1980s. Right. Um, in terms of coronavirus, I am I am watching some of the activities on in Congress, um, whether or not they will provide um, uh, any sort of support for the solar industry and the wind industry. They've seen layoffs. They've seen um, declines in installations of um, home solar, um, mm. and and they've seen delays in construction of I think large scale solar as well. Um, there's sort of an international push to to ensure that some of these stimulus packages are as green as possible and right. include climate friendly action. The United States really hasn't committed yet to doing that. So that's another thing that could affect Nevada that I'm uh, watching. Okay, so green the uh, the stimulus, green the response. Uh, Daniel, thank you for being on the show. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. You have about 10 seconds, Rebecca, to give me a silver lining. Silver lining. Um, it's Cinco de Mayo, and I made some homemade tacos tonight because you can't forget these things. Okay, good. That's a really good silver lining. Another episode of Impact has come and gone. Thank you to Rebecca Colbert, who you just heard for co-hosting, and to Daniel Rothberg for the interview. Daniel is a journalist with the Nevada Independent, a very good one. Impact is a co-production of Nevada Voice and KUNV with CCSD parents and no racism in schools. You are listening to Vampire Weekend's Oxford Comma. And we open with, and we do the interview music with, Foster the People's Life on the Nickel. Thank you to the Robertson family for acting out that fight, which I love and will play to the day I die. We'll be back tomorrow at 7 p.m. You can get this show and previous shows at KUNV.org. I'm Carrie Kaufman. Thank you for listening to Impact.